don't remember to record after the prayer, <laughs> remind me, uh, but I, I try to get that. And then I'll, uh, after uh, our our session today, I'll email that that video out. So anybody that missed it can, can watch it or watch it again, because there's always lots of good discussion. Um, so for those that are, are new with, with us, um, if you have problems connecting or uh, have questions the, the morning of, my email is the best way to, to contact me since uh, I usually have my phone silenced uh, during our, our meeting, but I'll have my email up here on my screen so that I can um, see like, oh, hey, somebody needs the link to get in or, or whatever. But, um, so yeah, let's let's dive into to lecture one today. I, I doubt that we'll be able to <laughs> do a whole lecture each time that we meet, but um, we'll we'll try to give it a, a good go because I don't know uh, if there's a 24 lecture series, which would put us ending in October. Um, if we just did one lecture a week, if we didn't, it's going to be next May before we're done. So uh, I I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll try to uh, play it by ear, but uh, most book club. Uh, groups, commitments, and, and stuff are, are good for uh, a few months. Uh, I don't know about a, a whole year, so. Um, but what I don't want to take it too fast either. Like, how long does the Isaiah Book Club go? So they try to to restart every January um, and get everybody kind of on the same page and everything. But uh, if we end up taking it uh, two weeks per lecture, uh, that would put us next May. June-ish, kind of depending on interruptions. I was just going to say, what if we just focus on so many and then pick up when it starts again? Does that make sense? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So Pick up where we ended when the next session starts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely do that. So uh, today will be kind of a, a good uh, gauge of, of where, how much we can get discussed uh, out of lecture one and, and see kind of what our, our pace might need to be, but yeah. So looking at lecture one, uh, y'all know that the this 24 part lecture series is my favorite of Avraham's materials. Uh, I think it's very, uh, a candid way to, to look at uh, some of his um, ideas and comparisons with what's contemporary and uh, what Isaiah is prophesying about. Um, and so the first one, all is not well in Zion. Uh, is, is quite a, a fun one because we have some of this introduction and we have lots of Avraham's rules for <laughs> studying Isaiah. Um, but anyway, what, what really stood out to you guys, uh, especially kind of focusing on the first half of the lecture? Um, but, you know, anything goes, but uh, what, what really kind of stood out to you guys as, as you were listening to, to this podcast lecture? And crickets, that's fine. <laughs> well, I was just looking. Did you share with us also the transcript from, from that part? Uh-huh. So with lecture one, uh, it wasn't uh, available this week. I thought that that was on the, the spreadsheet, but uh, it wasn't. So yeah, it was just listening to it this week. Okay. That's but those will I'm... be available uh, each week in the future for sure. Okay. It was actually on there. It's... Um... It's embedded into one link. And then when you click it, you go down to the bottom and it's there. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. All right, so let's go with Shalise and then with Amy. 
Um, so I found Isaiah last September and have just been obsessed and um, completely cleared my life to study. So it's it's all new, but and I've heard all the lecture series and every single book. Um, but re-listening to the lecture series was so good, like well, just the number one this week. Um, but it reminded me to not judge. We cannot judge. Um, and I think I get, because I'm so steeped in it and still assimilating everything I'm learning, I'm looking at everybody and everything, including the church and you know, politics and every little thing, and I'm trying to fit it into Isaiah, and it, it's kind of disconcerting, and for him to say, don't judge, there's a lot that will happen between now and, and when these things come to pass, and we can't, um, you know, get so wrapped up in it that we think we know it, that we think we know who and where and when. So that was a really good reminder. And then also um, the explanation again that Ephraim has the double, the birthright, the double blessings. We have the gospel and we have the charge um, to gather Israel. So I loved his explanation on all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was probably one of the best explanations of the birthright blessing and, and mm -hmm. Ephraim. Uh, that I've seen kind of, you know, outside of conference or or different things, right? That yeah. um, uh, it's a huge role. Um, and, and this end time paradigm that Isaiah is laying out uh, really hinges on, on that Ephraim-Judah relationship in the end times. So fun. That's, I was, that's what I was going to um, point out too, that um, just, I love that reminder well I loved what you said Shalisa in the beginning of um Abraham uh just the not judging you know and 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 pointing out that you know like Isaiah it specifically says that in those days is when it will be understood and so so have some compassion realize we were there and we're still learning and and uh yeah it, it is coming forth that understanding but yeah going just adding to that Ephraim part um I I think that's <clears throat> been one of my favorite things about Isaiah is I, I feel like I am gaining understanding of the role of Ephraim and the significance of the that blessing and that responsibility that before is like oh I'm from the tribe of Ephraim right and um I, I feel so grateful to have that opened up to my eyes and then seeing the parallels with with what happened to Joseph um in Egypt and 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 tying that into the last days has like blown my mind right and I loved how he pointed out um that you know just like Joseph had to be sold into slavery to essentially be able to ascend to that level of saving his brothers we too right and we know that that's that's part of our end time experience and um is that we I mean we are will be 
sold we you know in bondage slavery and and just appreciating that opportunity that that will give us to rise to our potential to save you know the house of israel anyways yeah yeah he's lining out lots of those different isaiah paradigms that uh, really come forth and it's just so amazing isn't it yeah lisa Those were awesome comments. I'm loving it already. So um, for me, it was interesting because I was revisiting this after I was introduced to it about about a year ago. And um, I noticed how important it was for me to revisit it because I can see more than I did then. And I can echo what everybody else has said, that I felt a sense of urgency, um, especially about the warnings. And, you know, we're reading the New Testament this year, which is very timely because I've been reading all of it, not just our assignments. So I'm really coming face to face in a very relevant way. How the Jews stumbled at the end. And I know, you know, with the typology of the scriptures, that that is a type and a shadow for our own Gentile stumbling at his second coming. And so it really causes me to reflect and wonder what is it that's going to shake us up so much that we cannot take the steps forward that we need to in those critical times. So for me, that was a huge uh, opportunity to really ponder and recommit to what we're doing, which is coming together and to echo Tracy's beautiful prayer to help support one another in finding our end time mission and orienting and reorienting ourselves to that. Um, just love the way that first lecture crystallizes all of that it's precious uh information i have spoken about birthright tribe responsibility you know just as a like oh i'm so happy to be able to do this and i really want to blah 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 and people i get blank stares i don't think that what we have that that way of seeing joseph and Ephraim and our goal, our missions, I don't think everybody is as aware. So, kind of taking a, a look at that with our, our end time missions and uh, our tribe assignments, birthrights, different things. So, what does that look like uh, based on, on this lecture and, and what we know from patriarchal blessings, et cetera? Like what is Ephraim's role and how can we rise to it knowing what we know through the prophet Isaiah? How does Isaiah help Ephraim empower itself to fulfill its end time mission? Does that make sense? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Um, and also, like, uh, let's see, do I want to go there yet? Probably not. But yeah, yeah, let me let me just throw it out there because <laughs> um, 
So what does um, the ascent and, and descent process look like? Because Alvarham goes, uh, makes a, a huge point throughout the, the lecture, right? To, to make sure, like, as soon as you start getting your introduction to Isaiah, don't start evangelizing it and uh, <laughs> you're gonna receive that, that backlash, right? Um, uh, it, you need to internalize it for a couple of years. If you can't prove it, don't say it. Uh, wait at least two years before you uh, start proclaiming Isaiah uh, as you're starting to uh, wrap our, our head around uh, the different paradigm that Isaiah lays out. Um, I find that very crucial mm, warnings, admonitions, whatever you want to call it, for the tribe of Ephraim, because um, us Ephraimites typically get pretty excited and, and start <laughs> hitting the ground running. We start knocking doors before we even know what we're, we're talking about, right? So um, I find that that's an interesting paradigm shift to, hey, Ephraim, take it easy. Just learn. And once you've got it, then go and, and help. Because uh, one of our, our main end-time missions is turning the hearts of the Jews to the prophets and the prophets to the Jews. That's one of the things that we're going to, to do before the end of the time of the Gentiles, right? And so anyway, any kind of I I love that, Cameron. That because that again, I think that has helped me um at studying Isaiah the pride of Ephraim, you know, like that has where I didn't see it before, you know, and in my own self, I'm including myself, not just, oh, look at them. But um, the pride of Ephraim, like it's, it's so real. And, and we can see how, holy cow, it's, it's, uh, it's a huge problem for us. And, uh, but I love how Isaiah is inviting us to see it and to, to choose not to harden our hearts so you know like he touched on that re, repent of our materialism or you know the idolatry and and the pride and and become or in and yeah and become those those saviors on mount zion right mm -hmm. so yeah that pride yeah Ephraimite pride. It's not a good thing. <laughs> a lot of times, you know, we, we talk about whatever high school, whatever mascot and the, the pride kind of thing or whatever. And I, the very first time, like I heard the kind of a term of like Ephraimite pride or whatever. I'm like, oh yeah, proud to be an Ephraimite. No, <laughs> that's a bad thing. <laughs> we got to strip ourselves uh, away from, from all of that. Um, but how, how crucial that is, right? Because upon my house, it will begin. Um, very humbling the calamities and destructions of the last days, like, like Avraham said, uh, he was teaching elders quorum, teaching to the prophet Joseph Smith, and he asked his high priest quorum, right? Um, so why do the calamities happen in the last days? What is their catalyst? What brings them on? And nobody had an answer for it. And it's like covenant curses, like Ephraimite pride will get the best of us, and, and upon my house it will begin. Um, the the gospel is restored, but yet when we let um, that kind of overtake us, then we are the leaven of the loaf. We are the, the ones that merit the uh, calamities and destructions and bring them upon the whole world. Even though there might be wickedness everywhere, um, it's the covenant people who actually burn from their covenants that bring on the curses. 
kind of a thing. Very well put, Cameron. It's almost like um, because we have received the double portion, we're much more likely to receive uh, heavier um, condemnation. Well, and when you talk about pride, what is the biggest pride that we see in the world today? That would be the LGBTQ. That's where we hear it. When you hear the word pride, that's what you think of. But as you brought in mascots and things like that, what does that pride do? It separates, separates us. us. <laughs> yeah, it separates us. And that's not the Lord's way is to separate us. So to even say Ephraimite pride is a bad thing, right? And even Heavenly Father never said he was proud of Christ. He said he was pleased with him. Uh, I, I just, yeah, with Ephraim having received a double portion, we just always feel so blessed, but we forget what we're supposed to do with that double portion. And that is to care for the sick and the needy, the widowed and to clothe the naked, right? And so we just live and it's like we're living on, what is that term with the fat cow or whatever? And we're enjoying it, but we're not sharing it. And that's, I think that's a big part of the curse too, is not caring, using the double portion the way we were meant to use it. Right, which is living the first two commandments, which is to love God and love our neighbors as if they are ourselves. Right. Right. And there was a little discussion in the chat about being slaves in the government, but I think, I think a lot of that too, you know, when people say, oh, America, you have so many blessings, you're so wealthy, it's expensive to live here, right? And why is it expensive to live here? I, we need to go back to that's being put into bondage. We have been put into bondage far more than we've ever read in um in the book of mormon in a way we're almost like um the israelites that were enslaved to egypt right which egypt is a euphemism for america for the you know are we not also slaves already we just our freedom is a facade our slave our slave really say slavery goodness <laughs> looks different and like somebody pointed out in our um idolatry discussions once and it really hit me um how it's like just just kind of posing the question of like um you know it when when things really come down and happen the the wrath i guess um you know who's going to feel it the most immediately right it's it's going to be us who feel so who who appear to be so privileged with our comforts and our luxuries and everything we're going to suffer far more than like a third world country who you know may not even know what's going on for a while i don't know um i i just think realizing like we are we are slaves to this, yeah, this um, Gadian and robber system, but we're also slaves to our idolatry. Um, and just, we, but we say it's a blessing. We, we think we're so prosperous, right? That's how we define prosperous is look at all of our stuff. 
Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, era of slavery, I guess you'd say, because if you polled everybody, would they say that they're in slavery? No, we're land of the free, home of the brave. Well, I, I guess we have an international audience here, so it's not all Americans, but um, that I honor. <laughs> we have such a we, we gotta just like sometimes we don't even realize that we're in slavery and um when it's all taken away are we going to be like the israelites saying oh we wish we could go back to egypt because it was so good there kind of a thing you know good like, point good nice. point yeah oh oh my running hot water <laughs> and my, my toilet <laughs> yeah, <laughs> comfy bed and all those kind of stuff like egypt had it so good and yet, I know. the lord will lead us out I know I had this discussion with someone. I don't know if it was with you guys, but um, when the Emancipation Proclamation came out, the slaves were free. They were great. They knew how to work. They knew how to cook. They knew how to sew. They knew how to do the, what did the slave owners do? Nothing. They had no skills. They were helpless without their slaves. And I just wonder if we won't be like the slave owners in that regard, even though we're slaves. We don't know how to do anything. We rely so heavily upon the grocery stores, Amazon, the internet. Like we will be so helpless because we don't know. We do have a master, you know, mm-hmm. we have a we have a master whom we serve. And sadly, it's not the right one. So yeah, we'll feel that same pain. Yeah, yeah, we will. So I'm just, I don't know. It's just interesting because we think we can do it all ourselves and we don't realize how, how in this lifestyle, how dependent we are in reality, we should be relying on the Lord, mm-hmm. not on Babylon, right? And so it's interesting, you know, I get pushed back, especially recently about uh, agreeing with President Nelson and, and how uh, much he is preparing us, Yeah, you know, in the coming day. Only those that receive personal revelation will be able to, to bless, guide, protect, strengthen, heal. Like, we won't have our, our taskmaster telling us how to vote and what to think and, and what to buy and all this kind of stuff. We're going to have to rely on personal revelation only in the coming days. We won't even be able to survive. And um, that's one of the, the greatest things that's come through um, 2020 and and all of this kind of great shakeup is that I think it really awakened uh, a huge portion, well, huge portion, I use that relative, uh, of Ephraimites that are like, wait a minute, I've got to up my game here because I'm not receiving and connecting with heaven the way that I I know the end times need to. And so uh, Isaiah was this sealed book for such a long time until we got the the literary tools and and um, all of these people kind of coming out of the woodwork helping unlock it finally right when the Ephraimites need it in order to fulfill their birthright blessing and uh, start connecting with heaven in deep and, and powerful ways in order to save the whole family all 12 tribes um, but especially our, our responsibility to help Judah uh, really reclaim their blessings and um 
I, I was reading in Second Corinthians three. Is huge. Uh, if you ever want to do that deep dive study, I, I was always you know doing all my my other ones, but um, DNC ninety eight compared with Second Corinthians, all of Second Corinthians, but especially chapter three, like it is huge in our Ephraimite role with Judah and um, Alma 32, like there's so many different things, but I think we kind of find ourselves just asleep at the wheel sometimes as Ephraimites with this big birthright blessing, like, like y'all have said. Um, and anyway, connecting with God is the best thing that we can do. If you can't hear him, don't focus on anything else. Focus on that one thing because it's going to be absolutely essential in the days ahead as we leave slavery, I think. Thank you, Cameron. We had a recent state conference and of course our, our um, general conference, it just seems like that is being echoed and re-echoed. You need to be able to hear him now. In fact, we were told, have an experience with Christ every single day. And if you do, you will always be able, you will always be testifying of him because you have that daily experience with him. I love that. Yeah, it seems like some stakes are, are really rising to the occasion and, and teaching profound, deep things uh, so pertinent and, and helpful, right? I love that. Oh. No. And I will miss you guys. <laughs> Hopefully we'll all hear him and he'll bring us all together. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun when we all reunite in Zion and uh, whoa, how did the tribulations help you? <laughs> I was thinking as you were talking just now, well, a little bit ago, just before Lisa and about Isaiah and how long Avraham's been studying Isaiah. I had seen his books so many times at the bookstore um, how often he's printed and maybe it's just me, but it just seems like there's finally people are awakening mm -hmm. to Isaiah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was happening the whole time he was printing. Um, I think I've kind of been awake to Isaiah for about since 2015. So like eight years now, but maybe other people were awake earlier. Mm -hmm. I don't know just seems like there's a stirring uh, happening but I could be wrong <laughs> and that goes with the like what Avram pointed out again that I think when these words apply or yeah like we'll, we'll know the days that Isaiah was ran for you know we'll start to understand and Yeah, Shalise. Um, you had asked how Isaiah helps Ephraim fulfill their roles. And along with this discussion, everyone has such great things to say. I just, I'm so happy to be with people Is that, fun? that I can talk about it with. Um, I think that the last few years have been a descent phase for me because um, I was seriously rocked through the whole um, ridiculousness of COVID. Really upset um, personally how the church handled it. And serving as a Relief Society president in the middle of it. 
and just really, really, really struggled like a, a wrestle with the Lord. I know what that is now. And as I um, stayed humble, no, fought to stay humble. <laughs> Definitely wasn't humble at all times. Um, and followed my leaders no matter how upset that I was about it. Um, and kind of came out of that time and things got normalized and I could take a deep breath and then focus on the words of the prophet to uh, learn to hear him better. Then I was struck with Isaiah, like I said, last September. And I feel like if I hadn't gone through the last few years desiring to be obedient and have the spirit with me and yet being so personally upset and offended and prideful, um, I would have never sought out Isaiah. <clears throat> The lesson in, uh, I was in another ward Sunday school class and the teacher was just an odd, odd duck. I mean, he, he was just railing on the fact that we are commanded to study Isaiah. And there was people that left the class. He was so like intense about it. Yeah. And it had the opposite effect on me. Like I was seriously struck. And then finding the um, translation and being able to actually read it and the startling things that are in there, like it was just chapter after chapter that took my breath away. Sorry. It's like a freight train hitting your spirit, like waking you up. Waking you up to the idolatry in your whole in your life. The direction you're supposed to be going and you're not, but you thought you were just fine. <laughs> it's um, so powerful. <laughs> so powerful. But I am so glad to be with you guys. <laughs> I try to share things. Um, my husband with my kids with my friends and they're like oh yeah that's nice that's <laughs> <laughs> beautiful Shalice that's seriously beautiful how can I ask how you stumbled upon Abraham when you got that um I actually had one of his very first books on my shelf because I've always known that um, I was avoiding Isaiah. I love the scriptures, but I've always avoided him. I've tried to muscle through the ones in the Book of Mormon, and I even have some, some notes there. Um, as I learn other scriptures, things would stick out to me in the Book of Mormon um, portions. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm, it's good enough. I don't know why it's there, but I, I can kind of get the gist of that, which of course I hadn't. Um, so I, I had guilt, first of all. And after that class, I just went and 
searched my, I had three or four understanding Isaiah books on my shelf from different people that were just like, I didn't even want to pick them up. There was just something dead about them. And I saw his book on the shelf and it, it, I felt something. And I remembered that I had seen a YouTube video or something from this Abraham Gileadi. So I went on there and the YouTubes were just six little short clips. And then I found the Institute and it just was all over from there. That's so cool. <laughs> I love how God works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like with um, our book club. So I didn't start with the Isaiah Institute right off the bat, but uh, I had uh, some different book clubs that we were doing and uh, everybody voted on Isaiah Decoded. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> decoded? We're really going to go to Isaiah? But anyway, everybody convinced me. And so we did it. And then, yeah, just absolutely changed everything. Uh, it, it's amazing. Once you get the right tools, what kind of stuff you can build with that and, and tear down your own idolatry and uh, start working it at a correct perception. But but like you said, I've read lots of different uh, commentaries since then from, from various authors and, and they have a few little things, but but nothing compared to like the literary message, the Isaiah decoded the ladder to heaven kind of thing. Like everything that like makes so much sense when you finally start having that paradigm and then going to the actual words of Isaiah, you go, yeah, of course, that's what he was talking about. Uh, it's just so amazing, isn't it? To, to have the right tools finally. And you're like, where have these been my whole life? <laughs> Why did I fight so hard against it? But yeah, love that. Yeah, Lisa. So um, just to kind of echo what's being said, um, I really appreciate the sharing and I feel too, um, Shalise, that there's something when something's really juicy and has a lot of potency and power, how we often, and Cameron, you mentioned, we kind of back away, like we're hesitant. And I found that I was the same way. I knew that there was something in Isaiah, um, but I knew that it would require something of me. <laughs> you know, poetry is tricky and it takes a lot of discernment and almost personal revelation to be able to unlock and I knew that it would require a lot of me but when that moment arrived for that awakening it was very much through um, my own personal search and my own personal studies and then finding and I can't even explain how I found the Isaiah Institute. It's almost something I can't remember. It just kind of was this little path and there there was Abraham. But I do remember I had one friend who every time I traveled as a visitor to Utah, because I haven't always lived here, she would always say, oh, darn, you just missed another one of his lectures. So she was always, you know, trying to connect me with him. And then I found him and I thought, I think this is the person that Robin was always talking about. So I asked her, is his name blah, blah, blah? And she, she confirmed it was. But I have a deep respect for his work because it's so comprehensive. And I feel like it's, it, he looks at Isaiah with such a large vision. 
because that's what Isaiah is about. And it's almost like an end from the beginning experience. It's like such an immersion. And I am so grateful for the things that I have been able just to personally wake up to, because I think that's what the message of Isaiah is. If I were just to find one word, and I know Isaiah is very wordy, I would just say it's wake up. That's two words. That's what it is. And that's what it was for me. It was wake up. You said something interesting, Lisa, at the very beginning, you said that when something's really good, we, we run away from it. Something like that. Do you remember saying that? Yes. I often resist something and it turns out I do that. I found myself doing that so often that I've learned to say, oh, I'm resisting. This must be something I need to pay attention to. I find that interesting because as you talk about that on Isaiah, I can't help but think how many of us do that to the Savior. Like he is the giver of good gifts and we don't want it. Like we're afraid of that. What does that mean? What does that require of me? What will it require of me? And I'm not worthy. You know, there's all these things, but I think that that was a profound statement especially when you look at it to the savior Mm -hmm. and to heavenly father, like we, I don't believe, I don't believe he can do that. I don't, you know, whatever it is. Anyways, he doesn't want us by halves. He wants our whole heart. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you said that, it just really struck me as I thought about that same statement with the Lord, Hmm. like we do that. He gives us the scriptures. He, you know, he gave us Isaiah. He gives us commandments. He gives us, and we just resist and we think we can do it our own way. So anyway, like, I, I don't need that. That's too scary for me or whatever. And yet then we think, why doesn't he love me? Right. <laughs> I, think, I think approaching the Lord can, and it, and it's at some deep level be scary. Because like, it is an all-in consecration. It is not by halves. Right. Yeah, you think of how the Israelites reacted, right? When they had the opportunity, when they were invited to speak with the Lord, they resisted because that was scary. <laughs> I've been thinking about that lately. And President Nelson's been inviting us to do that, to hear him, right? And how many of us are like, I, I, you know, I, I just can't hear. I don't, that's not possible. What does that look like? I don't know. Is it, we just need to hear the Holy ghost. Cause he talked about the Holy ghost, but is he really talking about the Holy ghost? He does say you can't abide the coming day without the Holy ghost, but he also said, hear him. And I don't think that him was the Holy ghost. And so I think we kind of, I don't know, skirt that or put a different name on it or whatever. And we resist, we resist the invitation. So, because Isaiah is kind of a, a steep learning curve, especially once we're in immersed in, in Babylon, right? So what would you say the price is to understand Isaiah, to, like Lisa said, wake up. What, how would you define 
your price to, to understand Isaiah? And have you, I mean, this is introspective, have you fully met it? Uh, is there more price to be had? And, and how do you define that price to others um, who may be earnestly seeking or close to um, finally breaking down their walls of, um, of that? What, how would you define the price of, of Isaiah? For me, I think it all comes down to like our last book, right? Modern Idolatry. The price is giving that up. Um, in, in a big way. Yeah, Shalise. Turn the water off. I have someone in the room. Um, I think the price is personal. Um, the Lord will walk you through what you have to give up. And of course, the, the main word is idolatry, whether it's your time, your talents, your interests. Um, for me, it's been incremental. And there's it's astounding because you think you've given up enough and then you realize there's another step and another step and um, replacing those things with activities that you may never have done before. And um, for me, I gave up my Amazon business last November. It was all consuming. It was complete Babylon buying, selling, um, absolutely consumed my whole thoughts and time and everything that was like that easy to give up um but recently it's been social media you know just deleting apps the time that I spend there needs to go away um serving more in the temple it, it just it's just incremental and I, I'm it is if you look at it um as sharing with someone, well, if you want to know Isaiah, you've got to stop doing this, 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 and that, like that just will scare them away. Right. It has to be a personal dawning of realizations. And I think, yeah, you just can't tell You can't tell, you can't even tell them what you've given up because that's scary too. <laughs> You're not who you were before. And now that's scary to people. Change is, is one of the, the biggest impediments to that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, helping others. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting time to be alive and, and the, the restoration of ambiguity, uh, embracing it, uh, wandering into the unknown in order to, to flee everything that, um, that the adversary has so comfortably placed in front of us, kind of a thing. Yeah, Lisa. I love what you just said, that walking into the unknown, because really that's what the wilderness journey, the hero's journey, that is what this life is about, is leaving the comforts that we as a church have placed around us, all our beliefs of self, that we have a sufficiency of knowledge, we have the gospel in its fullness, but actually wandering into uncharted regions of growth that is how you learn to depend on the Lord because you're going places figuratively and literally that you've never been before. You don't have the familiar around you. And uh, for me, Isaiah, I put it in the chat, was a game changer because it has put me on a new path in life. 
And I found that it is often a lonely path because even those that I'm the closest to don't understand. So one of the things, and I, I know my siblings, I know how they communicate. They communicate with each other, but not with me as they try to digest who is this new creature. <laughs> so I'm not having many conversations, but I can tell by the way they're interacting with me that they're a little off balance with whatever is happening without even having many conversations. Um, but I do have had, when the spirit has led me, I have had an opportunity to share some of my personal growth and how by learning to depend on the Lord, it created literally personal miracles for me that I would never have even imagined the generosity that the Lord blessed me and helped me with. So I've had opportunities to testify of him. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, as both of you were, were commenting there, the, just the image keeps coming back to my, my brain of like that the cocoon phase or the, the awkward teenage years, right? Like as we are transitioning into a new creature, that's often off-putting for other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> they're just going through their awkward phase here. And, and a lot of times it's a very lonely journey through that metamorphosis, right? Um, as we put off the natural man and, and become a new creature in Christ, that we have to be able to expect and and be okay with a little bit of loneliness in that journey. We it's a it's kind of a hero's quest of sorts, right? Like uh, you're the only one that that is going to be able to to go through that and and understand yourself, and and so lovingly we have a bridegroom. Who is willing to to walk that path with us when we can be utterly alone in uh, the world, uh, and yet, in order to to fully become that new creature, that the bride of of Christ, to metamorphose, you know, like in the the Jewish wedding custom, that year that you have to spend apart. Um, there's a a cocoon phase, a uh, metamorphosis, uh, the awkward years <laughs> um, there that that happen. And I wasn't expecting that at all. I was just like, oh, I found truth. I'm going to go preach it from the rooftops and it can come back to bite you really bad. <laughs> and so uh, it, it's very interesting how you've all described uh, those parts of your journey and stuff. And yeah, it's fun, <laughs> but, it, but it can be very lonely in, in that, that little phase there. I'm, I think I've mentioned it before. I don't know if it was in this group, but that I just am ready to just get off the, the economy, you know, like Satan's economy, Babylon. Um, I told my husband that I just, and he's, he said, I, I don't, I like having a flushing toilet, <laughs> but it was interesting this week with my daughter and her husband, they, July 2nd is their first anniversary. And, um, he's actually a year, just a little more than about 13 and a half months younger than her. But, um, I was just saying, we need to buy some property and we need to all move to it. And like, why have five lawnmowers if we could all just share one, 
you know, why do we need, why do we all have to have a garden if we could just all work together and have one big garden, you know, why? And they're like, oh, we could have a big shed and put a gym in it. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And, and anyways, it was just interesting. And he's like, I just think things are going to get really bad. I think it's a really good idea. I can see. And I was just like, wow, he's like more awake than the rest of my family because they just want to live, you know, and I feel bad because my daughter will be 23 next month. And you have these dreams. You grew up thinking I'm going to have this kind of a house, this kind of a car, this kind of a lifestyle. This is how, you know, we've all done that. And, and, and that's kind of what she's kind of clinging to. Oh, you know, we're going to build a house and thinking this big house and I don't know. It's just interesting seeing, I don't know. I hope they, I'm like ready to sell everything. I'm ready to sell everything. I told my husband, we can just buy property. We can build a small, we just need a bathroom, a kitchen and a bedroom, maybe a family room, right? Mm-hmm. We'll live in our trailer or a little camper while we build it. <laughs> but then I'm like, really, what is it that the Lord wants me to have? What is it? So anyway, I don't know. It's just interesting. Um, yeah. Even in families, you're kind of alone on the journey, right? Especially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that makes it really, really challenging, you know, because you don't really care what people at church say, but your family, you care a little bit more about and you want them to join you, right? And just like the man that Shalise, you were saying was, I think that was you, that he was telling everyone they had to study Isaiah. Was that you? It, he became a stumbling block, right? And so I don't want to be a stumbling block to my family. And, and that can be challenging. And I guess that's where you partner with the Lord and how to do it and how to move forward. There were a lot of stumbling blocks in the scriptures, though. So, you know, all those prophets seem to be stumbling blocks for the hard hearted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it looks like we're probably not going to get through all of the the first lecture (laughs) because I'm I'm looking at all kind of like the the bullet points here of of everything. So um, let's take another week on. the first lecture and, and see that like we have so many different things like the dominoes the uh seven-year tribulation that he's talking about uh, the uh past predicting the future we didn't even broach on that part but anyway i think that there's a quite a bit that we we still uh, have left to discuss so um just a reminder for um those helping on the transcription process i think that that would be a a great useful thing if um I'll put the the link in the chat again here, but uh, if everybody could help out um, maybe later today or or, or sometime this weekend um, and take, you know, three chunks, if you're willing to to volunteer, taking three chunks and transcribing that uh, from that document, it would really help out. And that way we can um, kind of have a a sheet or a printed version to uh, kind of go off of for our next uh, discussion uh next saturday but um but yeah so what's everybody's opinion on um the speed at at which we do it uh do you think uh, since like this first 
one, we're, we're kind of getting to know each other. Do we want to uh, do one week per lecture or just kind of take it as it comes? If we need a second week on any given lecture or anyway, what's, what's people's uh, opinions on, on our speed uh, at which we approach this? I have one, but you guys talk first. Well, I'll tell you what mine is, and then you guys can say yay or nay. Okay, so when we studied Isaiah Decoded, Cameron, in our book club, we did a chapter a week. Mm -hmm. It's so fast. And there was so much that we missed. And I really loved it when we studied it with you in the Isaiah Institute. And we took, we broke each chapter down in two or three sections. I just, I know it's going to be a long time. And that's kind of why at the beginning I was saying, maybe we'll just know that we're going to do this many chapters or this many lectures. And then next time we can offer starting on this lecture and moving forward. Because I just, there's so much and I don't, I don't want to miss it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's just my opinion. You guys can agree or disagree. I, I won't be hurt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think I taking it as it comes, um, I think we'll know <clears throat> maybe as we go along how much time we need to spend. Cameron likes to He's a planner, though. <laughs> well, like I'm a planner, yes, but like Avraham is wanting to know how how fast are we taking it, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Maybe just say we'll go this far, and then can we start over again? And then you can give him an idea, mm -hmm. but don't be overly optimistic. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I told him. I was like. The current plan is to do one a week, but I just don't think that we can or whatever, because I'm like, like Avraham, you know what you said in those lectures, like there's, there's a lot of stuff to unpack or whatever, like it could take easily two to three years to, to really uh, comb through a, a lot of that kind of stuff. Feast on the words of Isaiah through Avraham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so anyway, he was just kind of wanting to know because they have a few other projects and lecture series coming up or whatever. And, and so they're just trying to get an idea of where everybody's at and, and everything. But So in Fort Worth, we have this twice a day, we have the running of the bulls and you can go watch the running of the Longhorn. So I was kind of excited. And the first time I saw it, I kind of laughed. It was more meandering of the bulls. <laughs> they just kind of walk and saunter. And I'm just thinking, doing a chapter a week is a running of the bulls. <laughs> And maybe we want to meander a little bit. <laughs> and so if we did, you know, just kind of tentatively put it at two weeks per lecture, that would really make the transcriptions a lot easier um, and, you know, uh, more doable kind of a thing um, versus a, a breakneck you, speed, which we, we just can't do. But You've already listened to Ollie's. You said you just love these. Do you think two weeks? Well, that's the thing too. It's kind of like the, the scriptures, right? Where when you listen to the scriptures, there's great value in going really quickly all the way through to kind of get an overview and then going back and, and really doing that. But I think the, the quick overview part is just kind of a, a personal journey, maybe that 
everybody can go and listen to those, binge them, whatever you want to do. But as far as this discussion is, is kind of meant to be unpacking okay. and, and diving through it, but I don't know. Okay. And then when we finish, can I just chat with you a little bit about the transcriptions? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'll stay on so that we can, anybody that has questions wants to help out on that and stuff. Okay. But yeah, any other questions pertinent to, to our discussion today and, and things before we head out? I try to keep it to an hour, but it usually goes over about 15 minutes. <laughs> but I, I, I want to be respectful of everybody's time uh, here on Saturday mornings because I know that they get busy. Yeah, if not, we will see everyone next week for, for whatever. Anybody that, that's new to us, um, let me just stop here.